2023. Time now for our good friend, Mr. Al Bat from somewhere near Heartland. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. And um, I like that song. And I don't know if it was, you know, I liked a lot of the old black and white movies when mm-hmm. I was a kid. We'd go to free movies. They'd have them at the the John Deere shop or Alice Chalmers shop or something, and they'd have some of those. They'd always have Three Stooges or yes. uh, Laurel and Hardy, but then they'd have like a serious movie once in a while, and they played a lot of great music like that. Or, And it might be because I, I don't remember for sure, but I would guess at Grandma's place that's probably what was on the radio or uh, photogra- phonograph. So I don't know, but I like that song anyway, <laughs> so thanks for playing that. I, I like just about everything that's played on KMSU, Aww. you know, and I, and I try to like everything, but I, I fail a couple of times each Me day. Me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, sadly, but I, I'm trying. At least I'm listening to uh, different kinds of music, because I read a story, and I can't remember what newspaper it was in. I wonder if it was the New York Times, saying that by about the age of 30, we stop seeking new music. We've got enough of our own music, and we just want to listen to what we like. And I, I think there's probably some truth to that. Uh, we, we all know certain people that are out there discovering new music all the time. But for a lot of us, when we, uh, if we still have CDs, we throw them in there, and it's the same old CDs <laughs> that we've right. listened to as long as there's been CDs. I, I've got a couple really really nice, uh, well, one nice text and one nice email this morning, and one said, uh, would you mention your granddaughter winning a game at uh, Mankato State? And uh, You should never ask a grandfather, uh, things <laughs> like that. But uh, Joey made a basket at the end of the game to uh, uh, the Mankato State Maverick women defeated Augustana 61-60 to in basketball. Ooh, close one. Yeah, so she, uh, uh, I was just, uh, there were two of me because I was beside myself, and she just, after the game, she seemed calm and collected, and so I don't know where she gets that from. But um, And the other one, uh, somebody said, uh, I'd, I'd, I hope you will mention that you were on the cover of Land Magazine. And there, I, I mentioned that. It wasn't actually me. It was a picture of two bald eagles. Oh, I did see that, yes. And wasn't it somewhere else as well? Yeah, so there were beautiful pictures. And were those ones you took in Alaska, or where were they from? They were in Alaska, okay. yeah. And I, I've taken all kinds in Minnesota. So, uh, you know, I, they're bald eagles are bald eagles. Uh, the only difference is... There is a a thing called Bergman's Rule, and uh, a lot of you probably remember taking that in school, Bergman's Rule. And what it says is that the farther, it's a biological rule of thumb, I guess would be the polite way to say it. Within a species, individuals living in colder climates have larger body sizes than those in warmer climates. And Bergman found large animals have lower surface area to volume ratio, so they lose heat more slowly in cold climates. So a bald eagle would like to be a little bit bigger here or in Alaska, so they just don't lose so much heat. Small animals, on the other hand, have a higher surface to volume ratio and cool off faster when it's hot. So if you're down in Florida, 
you want to be smaller, so you just cool off faster in the heat. So, are you saying um, that's yeah. why maybe Minnesotans are a little bigger <laughs> than others? I, I would say I would say that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a pretty good excuse, isn't it? We yes. can just say, uh, "I live in the north." <laughs> it's I, the weather. I need, I, I need you know uh, a I need this high. I need a lower surface area to volume ratio. You can just tell them that. <laughs> okay. They'll just kind of nod because they don't want to think that you think they don't know what you're talking about. So that works pretty well. I, oh, I wanted to go for a walk early, but, you know, I didn't want to bother the rooster and hen pheasants foraging under the feeders. And they, they're pleasant pheasants, so, you know, they're pretty flighty. I didn't want to go out there. So I had to wait till they finished breakfast before I could go outside and become an errant exerciser. I'm a chronic walker, and I just, I wish they would just say, oh, there's that guy walking again. But, no, they fly right away. And Gretel Ehrlich said walking is also an ambulation of minds. And I think that's so good. That's just perfect because you've all done that. You're just walking along. You've got a problem that you have to deal with, maybe something unpleasant, and you're just walking along thinking about something else, and boom, all of a sudden this wonderful solution or a road to a solution appears. So walking is just uh, it's magical. And when I was walking, I heard a red-bellied woodpecker call, and it sounded peeved. And why not? It had to deal with winter. It's snowing again. <laughs> uh, Chickadee sounded off that Phoebe song, and that's triggered by hormones. Yep. And a downy woodpecker drummed along, hoping to establish a territory. And the days are growing longer at both ends, and that should excite everyone out there. Man, whether you like the early morning or late afternoon, you're getting a little more light at both ends. A nurse at um, at the Mayo Cancer Center, and he is from Heartland, of all places, and I don't know that I know his name. You know, I see him regularly, isn't that terrible? And I can't read his badge because it's always upside down, hanging around his neck. They, I don't know. They should put something on, though, so they have to stay uh, upright, but his is never. He asked me if there are more Blue Jays around this year than other years. And I told him that I've heard from a lot of people reporting high numbers of Blue Jays. And there was a good mass crop this year in most places. That means there were plenty of acorns for eating and caching. So Blue Jays will hide those acorns and eat them like now when they're hungry. Um, No one has been able to make sense of the Blue Jay migration. So why a bunch of them migrate one year and don't the next? So that might have an impact, too. I was watching jays and crows this morning, and I believe they know far more than they let on. They seem smart, but I think they're even smarter than they let on. A reader of, uh, of my newspaper column from Mora got a hold of me and said she has a buried thrush in the backyard, and immediately I thought of Tom Jessen of Medellin, who had one in his yard for quite a while. There's also uh, a Carolina wren visiting in Mankato. And I saw a fox squirrel. That's our biggest uh, tree squirrel. It's clutching an ear of corn, oh, a nice ear of corn, with most of the kernels that look like still on it. So it was on a no-passing sign. And, boy, that would be a nice find, I'm sure, for that squirrel, a big full ear of corn. It jumped down when it saw me, and it ran across the road. 
uh, ran across the snow, rather. And then it was running along, and it suddenly disappeared. It just, poof, and it had fallen into the deep snow like Wiley Coyote running off a cliff. I had my binoculars, and I peered through my binoculars at a perched bald eagle. And it was a young bird. For some reason, I focused on its bill. And, folks, if you get to see a young bald eagle, take a look at that bill. Uh, this guy's was dark. It was bicolored beak that immature bald eagles have. The beak is a dark, oh, man, blue-black maybe. It's lighter in color nearer the eye. And as these juveniles mature, the beak color gets lighter from the base outward, gradually becoming the light yellow of an adult. So it's just one of those things that change as their plumage does as they get older. Uh, Brenda Katasek from St. Peter sent me a lovely photo of a rusty blackbird. And rusty blackbirds are a bird of the northern bogs. That's where they nest. And their numbers, well, many bird numbers have been crashing, but rusty blackbirds uh, have been a, a great deal. And I, they're just such pretty birds. And they're called rusty because during uh, uh, breeding, they get this rusty color on their feathers. It just looks like they need rust away or something put on there, but it's lovely birds. Uh, Rita Granson and Betty Lucas were in Mason City looking for the elusive Townsend Solitaire, and they saw it at the Lime Creek Nature Center. Said it looked pretty healthy, so it's surviving out in the cedars. Otherwise, it was very quiet in the woods. But at the feeders at the center, there were 12 male cardinals with females to go with them. Lots of activity at the feeders. And Brian, I'm going to say Schofield. I know there's different ways of pronouncing that. But Brian Schofield of Fairmont wrote, I have seen oddities that nature presents to us, a white-tailed doe with antlers, a two-headed painted turtle, but what I've been seeing the past week is something I haven't even heard about before. A ring-necked pheasant hen with waddles. For the past week, this hen has been haunting our bird and squirrel feeders, gleaning scraps that have fallen to the ground. This little hen has provided us hours of entertainment. We have supplemented her foraging with shelled corn to her sister's survival through the winter. And Brian was kind enough to send a photo and, man, Brian, I've not seen a hen like that. Um, it looks odd, like she's got red glasses or spectacles or red sunglasses or something. Um, I do know that some older females or those maybe with damaged ovaries may assume rooster-like characteristics. I have seen... Um, pheasants that have been raised, hens with spurs. Um, so I don't know. I, You know, I have all these books. I, I have, you know, our house is half, uh, three-quarters of the weight of our house, I think, are books. And I found uh, something written in the Condor. This was from 1961. And it said, we're talking about pheasants. It said, intersexes also called gynandromorphs, were birds with supposed abnormal chromosomal complements which had mixed male and female feathers, and sex inverts were birds undergoing change from one sex to the other, usually female to male. So 
I don't know if that's helpful at all, Brian, but it's uh, it, it's just really cool the the photo you sent there, and I, I know Brian said he was going to see if he could uh, get another um, a little closer up one, uh, and it's just really neat to see that. Jerry and oh my gosh, uh, Karen, I think it'd be pronounced Terry T I E R R E Schwartz of Spring Valley sent me a photo of a beautiful house finch male. Uh, house finches look, they are lovely birds, and house finches are here all year round. There's a similar bird, a purple finch, that shows up during our cooler months. And a male purple has extensive red color on its back and a similar cranberry wine color over all of its head and it lacks the brown streaks on the flanks of a house finch. A great uh, question, they're all great questions, but from a listener said, if birds don't like Milo, why is it in seed mixes? That's what I always wonder, because you're paying for it, and it just seems like such a waste. And, you know, right after that, I was uh, out, I was searching around for a couple birthday gifts for my wife and for uh, a friend, so I'm going down to aisles of store that are kind of foreign to me. Just And one had a big pile of bird seed of various kinds. So I just walked over and looked at it, and, man, there was Milo in so much of it. And uh, Milo is sorghum, and they look like little BBs, and they're used in livestock feed, ethanol production, and as feed for birds. And then they're used for other things, but those are probably the primary things. Generally, birds don't eat it. And according, there's a trade group, because there's a trade group for everything, Wild Bird Feeding Industry, the famous WBFI. They say that economy mix seed mixes, which usually include Milo, account for a third of their market. So a third of the things they sell have Milo in it, or usually has Milo in it. Single seed products such as sunflower seeds make up 26%. And I know this is what I think, if birds refuse to eat it and it's nothing more than wasteful filler, just as you said, Karen, why Milo? Why Mm -hmm. put it in there? It's just, you know, peppers. If your kids won't eat peppers, you try to sneak it in all the hot dishes, and they still won't eat it. After a while, you just say, you know what, I'm not putting pepper in there anymore. It's just a waste. There's two words why Milo's in there. It's cheap. I can't find any other reason other than it's cheap. So they can find weight in that product. Well, is there something, something must eat it, though. I mean, do mice, maybe? Maybe it attracts mice or squirrels. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and squirrels probably one because it's so small, but I'm sure mice and shrews and things like that do. And when you get out in western U.S., there are some uh, birds, ground-feeding birds, that will eat a little bit. And we probably have some here that try it or eat it accidentally. But for the most part, you know, if you're going to sell 20 pounds of bird seed to somebody, you put some Milo in there because it's really cheap, lowers your costs, and you can make a little bit more money and when it's kind people of pretty. buy it. I think it's kind of pretty, too. It looks nice. <laughs> I guess I never thought of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and we go in there and say, well, that's a pretty cheap price for uh, bird seed. I'll buy that and put that out for my birds. And uh, so that's it's 
it's cheap, and that's why we get it. Uh, listener said, you were talking about seeing an owl on a deck. It, we, yeah, some a listener had seen an owl perched on the deck and sent me a photo. And this listener asked, why don't I ever see an owl in a tree? Oh, well, it's I, I guess the easiest way is just say it's because they're good at hiding. And they excel at blending in and remaining motionless. I typically see them after outraged crows have found them. But if you're walking in your yard and you hear outraged crows or outraged blue jays, it's going to be a hawk or an owl for the most part. It might be a cat, but they don't seem to get quite so upset about cats as they do hawks or and especially owls. They, oh, they just, as I've mentioned often, crows hate owls. There's no other way to put it. They hate owls. And so if you hear this great commotion, that would be where you might find an owl in a tree. I, uh, uh, somebody called me. I went over to their house because they said, we got this little thing in a tree. We know it's an owl, but we're wondering what kind it is. And I walked out, and they pointed it out. Had they not pointed it out, I could have walked by that tree a hundred times probably and never seen that little owl. It was right against the bark of the tree, and it blended right in. It was a gray-colored eastern screech owl. And he was up there, he was sleeping, had his eyes closed, and he just blended right in. So had uh, this nice person not said, well, there it is, and I thought, wow, yeah, there it is. And it was really cool, and she was happy to learn it was a screech owl. And just a cute little guy, and she said it flew away later that day, so it was okay. I've heard from a lot of folks asking this same question, and and I know it's a question we get every year, but people don't listen all the time. And why were my bird feeders quiet part of this winter? Yeah, remember when the winter was well behaved for a time? Boy, we just we it was just we thought, man, this can't be right. And we're good Minnesotans, so we wait <laughs> for that other shoe to drop because we say, oh, we're going to get it. And it's still it's a nice winter, but we got a, a little bit of winter weather. Birds will forage elsewhere when winter weather is mild with little snow or ice covering their natural foods. Birds, they need and they use fewer calories during warmer weather to maintain their body temperatures. So when the weather is a little warm, they don't have to stoke that that furnace near as much. So they're not always shoveling coal or whatever kind of furnace they have there when the weather is warm. But boy, when it gets cold and when the weather gets nasty, as we've all noticed many times, our bird feeders become a really, really busy place because they need to get in there and get a lot of food in there. And they need to get a lot of food in there because maybe tomorrow it will be impossible for them to get out and feed because the weather will be so severe. And if they have a lot of calories in their system already, they can kind of, they can live through that bad, bad weather. And most birds can, uh, like pheasants, can go a few days without eating. I'm sure they're not happy about it, but they're able to do that. And I was happy to see the uh, 
the other day as I'm driving along, there were three rooster pheasants walking down the road. Just uh, They were buddies. They won't be buddies for much longer because uh, when that time of the year comes around, then they will just uh, they become enemies. But right now, they're buds, and they were just hiking down the road like they knew where they were going, which I'm sure they probably did, and I'm guessing it was a place to find some food. But it's uh, really neat to see them. And I, I should mention, that when I talked about bald eagles earlier, and this is an, uh, another persistent question. Are golden eagles much bigger than bald eagles? And apparently there's something on the Internet that says they're, oh, golden eagles are, uh, a good word, ginormous. They're just so much bigger than bald eagles. So if you see two, and one looks brown, and it's bigger than the white-headed one. That's a, a golden eagle. Uh, you know, they're about the same size. The individuals vary a little bit, but, boy, they're the same size. You're not going to see one fly over and say, oh, my gosh, that's a golden eagle. Look at the size. Uh, they're the same size, and uh, they're both they're both really huge when they fly over. Uh, I think I talked last week, it was a sunny day, and I'm walking outside, and we had piles of snow everywhere, and a bald eagle flew over just at the, as the sun was in the right position to cast its shadow, its its flapping shadow, onto the snow. And it looked like a pterodactyl flying over on the snow, this gigantic thing, and it was just, it was really cool. Uh, I would love to have a video of it. I don't know what I would have done with it, but it was just, uh, I was amazed to see how big it looked in the snow. But it was just, a, it was a perfect storm to see that. Did you, I got to ask, did you ever uh, find out where where those um, hackberry seeds are, where, <laughs> did you put them in a, a wet cloth because you were oh. going to germinate them later and you no. decided to hide them from the mice? I, I actually took, collected them and I, I threw them, um, I think I threw them in the garbage so they won't ha- uh, sprout because I don't want more little things because I think they grow all over the yard if I recall because they fall down and and so no I didn't I did not plant them I'm not going to plant them I'm getting rid of them if you want some I'll send them but I haven't eaten them either because that was remember you said they're actually really good for you and they are yeah they're good if they're if they're hackberries you know I guess before we eat anything (laughs) we should be real sure I should I know I used to lead walks with the junior high kids every year from New Richland, Heartland, Elmdale, Geneva. And they're just great kids. We go out to St. Olaf Lake early in the morning, cold, and uh, oh, they were great kids, not always dressed properly for cold <laughs> uh, morning walks uh, because, well, they were junior high kids. And we're walking around, and I'd say, you know, in, in these, uh, this is buckthorn, do not eat those berries. And, of course, they there Try always it. was a boy that would go over and eat all those berries right away. And I, I'd have to send a note home or something uh-huh. saying your son ate some berries after we told him not to eat berries. So he's going to be all right, but he might spend um, a little time <laughs> in the bathroom. That's all I'm saying. He might clean out his system. So, uh, yeah, we as a boy, and I know girls were a lot smarter, I'd walk out in the woods and, Oh, man, I'd try eating just about anything that wouldn't run away from me because they all look like blueberries or raspberries or something really good. I would eat uh, uh, 
those little crab apples, those little, we called them wild crabs. Yes. They'd escape we used to, from somewhere. We used yeah. to have those, too, because I remember Mom and Dad, we always used to have what we call the, the, the peel pile. And so every time you'd peel apples or potatoes or anything, you'd take and you'd throw it out. We had, you know, a big a farm, so you'd just throw it over the edge of the lawn into this little ditch area. And then all of a sudden this tree came up, and it had those teeny little, like you said, the, the crab apples. And were they sour? Oof, yes. And as a little boy, I thought those were the best things. And you did? every year, <laughs> yeah. And every year when they come, when we get those apples, I go out and I pick a couple of really nice looking ones, and I eat them. <laughs> and they give me that uh, sour face. It just oh, and they make me go boo. <laughs> I just I don't know how I could eat this. something. We either. Either our taste buds become more refined as we gain age, or we kill off those old taste buds. Well, you know, were, before uh, before they develop Sour Patch Kids and all these other sour candies, I mean, kids now, they love those sour, sour, or sour gummy worms and things, and, and we didn't have that before. So obviously you satisfied your craving by eating those little sour apples, which I, I never did. I've never really liked them, but now they actually have candy that's specifically made for that. We'd sit on uh, top of the hen house, uh, <laughs> which is one of the places our mother didn't want us to be, and we'd be up there eating those things and um, throwing them at anybody that might <laughs> happen to walk by. Okay. So it was, a, you not only got something to eat, you got ammunition at a time when snowballs were at a premium. And we also ate one other thing that I bet a lot of folks will remember. We called them choke cherries. Yes, we used to make and, je- uh, jams and jellies out of those. Oh, we still do. They're just great. And some people, uh, a friend was telling me when he was a kid, he called them bitter berries. But they're astringent. Uh, they're puckery yes. as well. They just, um, boy, they just, mm, and I thought they were so good too. And every year I try a couple of those with the same result. I just said, well, I would. I think the only thing good is if you had a tank, a canker sore or something. They might help. Uh, I don't know, closing the wound in your mouth a little bit because <laughs> boy, do they are they puckery. But they're beautiful trees. The birds love them. So I have a number of them growing around uh, in the yard here. And I just think they're one of the the best plants to have. But I think this coming uh, year I'm going to quit eating those crab apples and uh, choke cherries and just let the birds eat all of them because it's just this, uh, that that puckering, I don't need that. Whether well, duck mouth or duck face, uh, it <laughs> definitely gives you that. And there used to be an old TV commercial about bitter beer face, and it was the same kind of thing. You just eat those, and you go, oh, my goodness, this is uh, not the best thing I've ever eaten. I, uh, there's a, a fast food, I won't mention the name of it, because, well, they're not around here. But when I was in college, there was one near us. And we would go there, and we could buy, it was like a, a dime for these tiny little hamburgers. And I was working in uh, Louisville here not too long, uh, too many years ago. And there was one on the way to the airport. And, oh, I had such fond memories of those things, so I stopped and got a couple of them. And they just weren't near as good as I remember. Sometimes things in memory are 
best left there, I found, sadly, because I, oh, I just, uh, talk about anticipation, like the ketchup coming on the bottle. That's how I waited to take a bite out of this thing, and it was, it just, it wasn't dreadful. It just wasn't that magical thing as I remembered it, so it kind of dashed a memory on the rocks. But I do hope you find out what uh, kind of critter was bringing in your uh, the seeds there and putting them in the place. Uh, I'm I afraid know. to call my my contractor and ask him. I think he might be offended that to think that if I thought that it was him, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that uh, cash foods, so um, uh, uh, you know, mice and everything, and I'm. Uh, my wife always says, well, don't tell people we have mice in the house. And I said, we live out in the country on a what farm. Everybody knows we have mice in the house. So they will uh, they will certainly cash foods. I hope everybody will come to the cafe today. Where the food chain is missing a few links, the special is always the Heimlich Maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage. And now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders. Where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. Uh, a good friend experienced the joy of being an owner of cows calving in January during a recent storm. It wasn't epic, but it was a storm nonetheless, and he ventured out into the great outdoors to be of help where he could. There was a problem. A cow would not accept the calf, and it doesn't happen a lot, but it, it happens sometimes. It just doesn't want to be a mother. So he needed to carry this calf to the warmth and safety of a barn. The world holds millions of people who have never had that experience. I'm not one of those. I recall similar happenings from my cattle-filled past with a smile and a shudder, and I now limit my calving adventures to watching glaciers perform in Alaska. My friend didn't need to summon a veterinarian, but told me a story about a guy we both used to know named Irving. And Irving used to live around here. Irving had a sick cow. He called the veterinarian who came out to the farm and treated the cow. The cow died. Not long after that, Irving received the vet's bill in the mail. Irving paid it, but sent a note along with his check reading, If I call you again, don't come. <laughs> Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. It's the best part of the week. Thank you, Al. We appreciate you, and we will be back again next week. Happy bird watching. Yep. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. <laughs>